the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. I'm so glad you could join me on the program Crosswalk with Gino Geraci. It is, of course, the program where we typically take your calls, answer your questions about the things you care the most about. We talk about God. We talk about the historical Jesus. We talk about the Bible. We also talk about world views and world religions. And by world views, of course, I mean the way people look at the world. And and so that's what a worldview is. It's simply how you look at the world. Everyone has one. A worldview is a set of beliefs that we hold about the biggest questions in life. Like, well, what is real? Is there a God? Where did we come from? How should we live? Where are we going? And so those worldviews fall into two large categories, one dealing with atheism and materialism, and the other one where there's a god or gods of some sort. So the worldviews that include the idea of no god, and then worldviews that include the idea of some sort of god. So again, if you'd like to join me on the program, it's 303-873-1935, 303-873-1935. Lots to talk about today, including, um, well, election stuff, but also <laughs> what caught my eye today is after school Satan clubs. And, of course, the other thing in the news, um, many of you are probably already aware, aware that the um, that King Charles has been diagnosed with cancer and that um, they, they're basically making the statement that um, that the king ha- is is going to um, not have any public appearances for a while. He's apparently going to do his other duties. Um, but a number of different outlets are reporting that King Charles III was diagnosed with a form of cancer. Um, he's begun treatment. The Buckingham Palace released the information. And less than 18 months into his reign, he's going to suspend public duties and will continue with state business and, and won't be handing over constitutional roles as head of state. They didn't identify the kind of cancer, but they did say that it wasn't related to recent treatment, which was for a benign uh, prostate condition. So they didn't say what kind of cancer. And, of course, uh, the king is 75 years old. And the palace said a separate issue of concern was noted and diagnostic tests have been identified, have identified a form of cancer. So we should be um, learning more information. And of course, news of the king's diagnosis comes as his daughter-in-law, Kate, 
who's the Princess of Wales, recovers from an abdominal surgery that saw her hospitalized for a couple of weeks. So interesting. Um, For centuries, the British royal family has arguably and rightly perhaps remained fairly private about health matters. And so we should know more in the not-too-distant future. 303-873-1935 is my number if you'd like to join me on the program. 303-873-1935. And um, I was reading uh, um, some information about this after-school Satan club. And I've talked about this before in the past. And what's interesting, in part, is that according to the one article that was posted, (laughs) they basically said the Satan Club has said that it really isn't about Satan. But this reminds me of when people say when it, that it isn't about the money, that it's usually all about the money. And so in this after-school Satan Club, Victoria Taft at PJ Media has written an, an article, and the interesting title is Haters Hosting after-school Satan Club say they aren't about Satan, and that the headline reads, Don't You Believe It? Now, I think that that's interesting because what she's basically saying is, what is it about Satan Clubs that are making um, a big splash in the popular culture? And she points out that television shows have been glorifying Lucifer, the personifications of evil. In the 1980s, there was a particular um, fascination with Satan. There was a book that was written by an individual called On the Edge of Evil. It was forwarded by Geraldo Rivera, and they, they talked about Satanism in America. And Of course, in the 1980s, the McMartin Preschool case featured a satanic worship storyline. And, of course, this was at a time when people were talking about uh, satanic ritual abuse. And so Satan is back in vogue at least in three, well, four states. Apparently, school districts in California, Ohio, Connecticut, and Pennsylvania have been targeted by the Satanic Temple organizations, which was established in 2013 by two guys who won't divulge their real names for possibly good reasons. And the latest iteration of the Satanic Temple swears that it doesn't teach about the forces of evil in its afternoon programs. But see, again... It's interesting to me that Satan's tools have by and large been lies. So it shouldn't shock us, surprise us that Satanism 
uses lies, suffering, pride, and accusation. These are the tools that's in Satan's toolbox. And so they have this uh, logo. It's kind of a corny logo, After School Satan, and under the headline, Educating with Satan. So the organization explains that if Christians don't show up in schools with their good news clubs, the After School Satan Club or After School Satan Club won't show up either. Now, pause and think about that for just a moment. They're saying, hey, we're here because the Christians are here. And if the Christians are here, well, why shouldn't we be here? And so the atheists and anti-Christian people behind the organization say that the After School Satan Club are so much smarter than the Christian groups because they believe in critical thinking. They believe in science, not God, though the group has constructed an entire temple and hosts programs to counteract an an entity that they claim they don't really believe in. Isn't that interesting? So the Satanic Temple on X, After School Satan Club, returns to Moline, Illinois, for their first meeting of the school year. So when the Satanic Temple and and the Satanic After School Club says it's not about Satan, and it's not about evil. It's probably a good idea not to believe them. This is Gino Geraci, 303-873-1935. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. Happy to take your call. 303-873-1935. 303-873-1935. Let's see who's up. Dave, welcome to the program. Hey, Gino, thanks for taking my call. Oh, you're welcome. Hey, I just called just to say that, um, you know, the topic you're talking about, I just saw something in the news um, about, uh, I I can't remember if it was uh, Boulder Valley Schools, but it was out of Boulder County where a girl had videotaped a satanic club thing happening. Yeah, Yeah, And, and then got threatened by the principal, you know, to, you know, for suspension or something like that because she, you know, because she posted it. Interesting, interesting. I didn't know this until today, but there is a website called the Sat- the Satanic Temple Colorado.org. Did not hmm. know it till today, but they have yeah. north office hours, central office hours, south office hours. But to your point, there is a chapter in Loveland, they I don't want to give give where they're meeting, but it is interesting where it says a weekly informal time for you to stop by and ask questions before you gasp, participate in your first full fledged satanic event. Mm, not good. No, I'm not that, making it up. I'm not making I, it up. I believe you. <laughs> I believe you, Gina. I, I wish I had more information about the article I read, but it was just like within the last couple of weeks I saw it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep my eyes out. But these after-school Satan clubs, it's interesting to me when they say it's not about Satan, it's all about yeah, Satan. It's, it's a lie, just like he said. Yeah, Satan's it's a, toolbox, it's yes. a lie. Yes. Hey, thank you for your call. Thanks. 
303-873-1935. Let's see who's up. Jill, welcome to the program. Hi there. Hi. Uh, I'm a first-time caller, so um, I was interested if anyone has actually infiltrated these clubs. Uh, what I, I age have, groups they're targeting? Yeah, I have no idea. And like I said, um, whether or not people have infiltrated the groups, I don't know. But I do know that they are meeting primarily in three different states. And, you know, we just got a call that uh, I'm, I was wondering if there was an after school Satan club here in Colorado. But the four right, I heard that. Yeah, the four school districts are in California, Ohio, Connecticut, and Pennsylvania. And um, so apparently they're trying to it's their way of saying because they publicly said, hey, if the Christians, if the good news clubs are on campus, why not have a satanic temple? But they, according to their claim, and I'm reading their claim exactly, it says they're not interested in converting children to Satanism. What then it says, what, uh, what is their purpose? Well, here's what they're saying. <laughs> to focus on the free inquiry and rationalism that the scientific basis for which we know what we know about the world around us. And so... That's a bunch of hooey. Well, if that's I'm, true, then, then guess what? The Democrats should kick them out before we do. I mean, if, if, they're, they're, if they're based on evidence, free inquiry, rationalism, and thoughtful dialogue, that doesn't sound like the public school system that I know. <laughs> and I want, is, is it being brought to the public's attention? Like this Dave uh, had read an article. Well, I believe it should be brought out more. Well, I'm looking at a a posting on X, you know, formerly Twitter, by someone Mm -hmm. named Conservative from Boulder. I think this might be what he was making reference to. I was seeing if there was something in it. And it said, six students at BVS Colorado form a satanic pentagram around another student on the ground and shout sacrifice and hail Satan as a part of this is saying monarch K through eight school Satan club, Boulder school celebrating evil and abuse of other students. So apparently it's happening and apparently it's happening in orange County. It's happening at uh, true Truman Benedict elementary school in San Clemente. And, um, and and again, Charles Baudelaire said the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he doesn't exist. And so the sex right, of, right. Someone added a second quote to Baudelaire. He said the second greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world. Well, he's the good guy. Oh, I I just think this needs to be brought out into the public. Well, that's one of the the reasons why I'm talking about it. Hey, thank you for your call. Oh, you bet. Thank you. 303-873-1935. That's the number. Let's see who's up. Arthur, welcome to the program. Hi, Gino. How are you? Good. 
Hey, I have a question. It's kind of off topic, but I was wondering, when you get to heaven, who's the first person you want to sit down and talk with? Well, obviously, my first choice is Jesus. And, well, uh, well, yeah. But my second choice would probably be Paul. I would ask him, you know, did you really write the, the book of Hebrews? Um, my third choice, who would be my third choice? I think it might be someone who's surprised that I'm there. <laughs> I know, okay. shock of shocks. Um, yeah. So... So Jesus and Paul, and then and you got quite a pick, really. Well, yeah, I mean, it would be, I think it's going to be fairly interesting. Maybe John the Apostle. So I think I would go from Paul to John the Apostle. And... Um, yeah, because he wrote Revelation, yeah. Yeah, and, and the, uh, obviously the Gospel of John. And that's some, yeah. pretty, that's some pretty deep waters. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll throw the question right back at you, Arthur. Who who would you want to sit down with? I, I'm going to sit down with Peter. Well, yeah, that's a good choice as well. Because I like to know what it felt like walking on water. <laughs> I think he's going to say it, it's. He's going to probably say something like, "It sort of feels like being in heaven." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. No, thank you. This reminds me of a poem. Um, I'm trying to remember the poem. Let's see if I can remember it. Um, it's it's by the same guy who um, did. Um, he did Amazing Grace. Um, oh, John. Yeah, I don't remember his last. John, yeah, uh, it'll come to me. But he wrote this poem. It's it's a little less known poem. Um, He wrote, "I dreamt of heaven the other night. The pearly gates swung wide, and as I made my passage through, I looked around inside, and there, to my astonishment, amongst those who'd gone before." were those I deemed as quite unfit to make it through the door. Words of censure rose in my throat, but never were set free. For I could tell from their surprise, no one expected me. Isn't that good? I love it. I love it. Thank you again. No, thank thank you for your call. 303-873-1935. That's the number. And guess what? In this world, you're going to have tribulation. Paul said the outward person is perishing, but the inward person is being renewed day by day. So if you're sick and tired of achy joints, the dread, the idea of surgery, you need to call QC Kinetics today. Hey, it's Gino Geraci. And listen, the state of healthcare is always changing. The old ideas like steroids and surgery are no longer your only option. Regenerative medicine at QC Kinetics is transforming lives. 
with innovative, non-surgical, drug-free treatments that deliver lasting, lasting results. Knee pain, back pain, shoulder pain from arthritis or injury. Don't let this pain keep you from living your best life. QC Kinetics Advanced State-of-the-Art Treatments Harness and Direct Your Body's Natural Ability to Restore and Repair Damaged Joint Tissue. This is a revolutionary approach that can get you long-term relief with no downtime. Make 2024 the year you reclaim your mobility, reclaim your independence, walk, run, play, live without the danger and trauma of surgery and without harmful drugs. Call QC Kinetics now for a free consultation, 303-900-8986, 303-900-8986. Hey, and if you want to call me, 303-873-1935. I'll be back taking more calls, answering more questions. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program. And again, the number is 303-873-1935. 303-873-1935. And I got a question about what happened to the lost tribes of Israel. Happy to talk about that. Three zero three eight seven three nineteen thirty five. When people typically talk about the lost tribes, they usually have in mind the ten tribes, the northern tribes that fell to Assyria in about seven twenty two. So those tribes were Reuben, Simon or Simeon, Levi, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Azure, Issachar, Zebulon, and Joseph, whose tribe was divided into the tribes of Ephraim, or Ephraim, and Manasseh. So most of the people of the northern tribes were deported to ancient Assyria, according to 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 6, where it says, In the ninth year of Hosea, the king of Assyria captured Samaria, and he carried the Israelites away into Assyria and placed them in Halah, and Habor to the river Gosan in the city of the Medes. So the Medes and is that area of, of modern Persia. So many of the Jews who remained in the land intermarried with people from Kutha, Ava, Hamat, Sepharim, and they were sent by the Assyrian king to inhabit Samaria according to 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 24, and Ezra chapter 4, verses 2 through 11. So there is sort of the origin of what we might even call the, the Samaritan peoples. Now, so the story goes, the 10 northern tribes of Israel were referred to as lost to history, either wiped out or assimilated into other people groups. So this narrative, however, is based on inference and assumption rather than direct biblical teaching. And so there are several mysteries, legends, traditions as to what happened to the 10 lost tribes of Israel. And I'll talk more about that in just a moment. 303-873-1935 is my number. If you'd like to join me on the program, happy to hear from you, by the way. 303-873-1935. And so uh, one legend says that the 10 tribes migrated to Europe. 
The Danube River, they say, got its name from the tribe of Dan. Another legend says that the tribes uh, migrated all the way to England and that all Anglo-Saxon people today are actually Jews. This is the teaching of a heretical group called British Israelism, which was in part um, embraced by the Worldwide Church of God, uh, Herbert Armstrong, Herbert W. Armstrong. So more about British Israelism here in a minute. But there's a surprising number of groups around the world who claim to have descended from the lost tribes. That includes people from India, people from Nigeria, people from Ethiopia, Pakistan, Afghanistan, even North America who claim such ancestry. Other theories equate the Japanese or American Indians with the Ten Lost Tribes of Israel, which, of of course, is a kind of a, a Mormon LDS take on things. But the truth is that the so-called Lost Tribes of Israel were never really lost. Many of the Jews who remained in the land after the Assyrian conquest reunited with Judah in the south. How do we know? Second Chronicles chapter 34. In Second Chronicles chapter 34, verses 6 through 9, it says, And in the cities of Manasseh, Ephraim and Simeon, and as far as Naphtali, in their ruins all around, he broke down the altars and beat the Asherim and the images into powder and cut down all the incense altars throughout all the land of Israel. Then he returned to Jerusalem. Now in the eighth year of his reign, when he had cleansed the land and the house, he sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, and Messiah, the governor of the city, and Joah, the son of Joash, the recorder, to repair the house of the Lord his God. They came to Hilkiah, the high priest, and gave him money that had been brought into the house of God. And the Levites, the keepers of the threshold, had collected from Manasseh and Ephraim and from all the remnant of Israel and from all Judah and Benjamin and from the inhabitants of Jerusalem. So there you have it. Assyria was later conquered by Babylon, who went on to invade the southern kingdom of Israel, deporting the two remaining tribes of Judah and Benjamin in 2 Samuel chapter 25, verse 21. And remnants of the northern tribes would have thus been a part of the Babylonian deportations. Seventy years later, when King Cyrus allowed the Israelites to return to Israel, Many from all 12 tribes returned to Israel to rebuild their homeland. So the idea that the 10 tribes were lost, in effect, is not completely true. There was a dispersal that took place where the tribal identities were severely weakened I think it's safe to say that God knows where all 12 tribes are. And as the Bible itself proves, they're all accounted for. In the end times, God calls out witnesses from each of the 12 tribes, according to the book of Revelation, chapter 7, 
verses 4 through 8, where John writes in the book of Revelation, I heard the number of the sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel, 12,000 from the tribe of Judah were sealed, 12,000 from the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 from the tribe of Gad, 12,000 from the tribe of Asher, 12,000 from the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000 from the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000 from the tribe of Simeon, 12,000 from the tribe of Levi, 12,000 from the tribe of Issachar, 12,000 from the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000 from the tribe of Joseph. 12,000 from the the tribe of Benjamin were seated. So obviously, God has been keeping track of who belongs to which tribe. In the Gospels, the prophetess Anna, in Luke chapter 22, or chapter 2, verse 36, it says, and there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Azure. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. So there's this prophetess who's listed from the tribe of Azur, one of the supposedly ten lost tribes. Anna wasn't lost at all. Zechariah and Elizabeth, and therefore John the Baptist, all were from the tribe of Levi, according to Luke chapter 1, verse 5. And Jesus promises that the disciples will sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel, according to Luke chapter 22, verse 30. So, Paul, who knows he's from the tribe of Benjamin, speaks of the promise, his words, Acts chapter 26, verse 7, the promise our 12 tribes are hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night. And you should note the present tense. The promise our 12 tribes are hoping to see fulfilled. James addresses his epistle to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations in James chapter 1, verse 1. So in short, There's a lot of evidence in the scripture that all 12 tribes of Israel are in existence and will be part of the Messianic kingdom, and none will be lost. 303-873-1935, that's my number. If you'd like to join me on the program, I'll be right back. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. If you'd like to join me on the program, it's 303-873-1935, 303-873-1935. And, you know, I was talking a little bit about the, the so-called lost tribes of um, Israel. And, of course... The 12 sons of Israel developed into the 12 tribes of Israel, which were known as the children of Israel. And that's how the Bible often refers to the Jewish people. And the tribe of Joseph actually became two tribes, descendants of his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And the 12 tribes eventually inherited 12 portions of territory within the land of Israel. And this remained so... For centuries, and about 3,000 years ago, 
the 12 tribes were united into a unified political entity that was led by King David. And that kingdom was inherited by his son, Solomon. And that unified Jewish monarchy lasted about 73 years, and it was called the Kingdom of Israel. And with the succession of Solomon's son, Rehoboam, only two of the tribes, Judah and Benjamin, located in the south, were loyal to the Davidic dynasty, while the other ten came under the leadership of a tax collector from the tribe of Ephraim, known as Jeroboam. And so Jeroboam retained the namesake, the kingdom of Israel, since it included most of the Israelite tribes. And the realm of Rehoboam was known as the kingdom of Judah, since the tribe of Judah was much larger than Benjamin. And so these two Jewish kingdoms, Judah and Israel, sometimes went to war with each other. Sometimes they cooperated with each other for trade or to combat mutual enemies. But in 722, the Assyrian Empire defeated the kingdom of Israel and forcibly deported much of its population. And so that's where that question comes up. Where did they go? Where did they go? And like I said, the clues include Second Kings chapter 17, um, which is the Assyrian homeland in what's now called northern Syria, part of northern Iraq, part of northwestern Iran. In other words, modern-day Kurdistan. So although the biblical place names are argued, scholars contest the names and the geography, when it says they went to the cities of Media, that's commonly understood to be the region of Hamadan in Iran. So uh, there are no traces of the tribe, tribal groups in that area. But um, so some people have speculated that some of the Pashtun tribes of Afghanistan and Pakistan who migrated into the ancient area of what's north Western Iran, um, there was about 25 million people who practiced a kind of stringent form of Sunni Islam. And many members of the Pashtun were actually associated with the Taliban. So it's not exactly the first place you would expect to find lost Jewish tribes. But the Pashtun do have historical memories of their ancient ancestors originating in Israel. Their tribal names very much resemble Israelite tribal names. Rubini, Gadi, Ashuri, Efridi, Shinwari, Luwani, Yosafazi. Yosafazi is the people from Joseph. And Reuben, Gad, I mean, you don't have to be a linguist to figure this out. And many Pashtun people had a distinct Semitic appearance in contrast to the other tribes of Afghanistan and Pakistan. They circumcised their male babies on the eighth day. Women light candles on Friday night. They practice a form of Leverite marriage. 
They even have cities of refuge as it was mandated according to biblical law. And unlike the typical Muslim custom, the Pashtun move back and forth when they read the Quran. It's called toveling. In a similar way, the Jews, when they engage in prayer or reading of the Torah, and some Pashtun have... um, the side locks that are similar to Orthodox Jews. And then within India, there are several groups who claim descent from the tribes, including the B'nai Israel or the B'nai Ephraim and the B'nai Menashe. The book of Esther seems to indicate that there was a Jewish population in all of the provinces of King Ajawaris. So it says it was in, in Esther chapter 8, verse 9, it says, it was written according to all that Mordecai commanded to the Jews and to the satraps and the governors and the princes of the provinces from India to Ethiopia. So all of these groups practice a kind of basic Judaism, circumcision, Shabbat observance, but they didn't retain much of the knowledge of their Jewish roots. And between the 18th and the 20th centuries, these groups became increasingly connected with the world of Jewry. They started practicing Judaism. And, of course, in Ethiopia, the Beta Israel tribes of Ethiopia have long been theorized to be part of the tribes. And according to one local tradition, they were descendants of the tribe of Dan, who left Israel prior to exile. Another tradition places their origins in union with Solomon and the Queen of Sheba who visited Jerusalem, and that visit is recorded in the Book of Kings. And interestingly enough, the Judaism practiced by Ethiopian Jews overemphasized certain Jewish customs like family purity to the extent that married women actually moved into a different house or hut uh, during their female cycle. Ethiopian Jews also were not familiar with the common Jewish custom of phylacteries or tefillin, which was practiced by men. This points to a Judaism that might have been taught by a Jewish woman following conversion, someone like the Queen of Sheba. And uh, there are also references to Jewish communities in Northeast Africa, even recorded by the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah eleven eleven, it says, And it shall come to pass... On that day, the Lord shall continue to apply his hand a second time to acquire the rest of his people. That will remain from Assyria and from Egypt and from Pathros and from Cush and from Elam and from Sumeria and from Hamat and from the islands of the sea. So Pathros was understood to be southern Egypt or what you and I would call the Sudan area, and which would include Kush, which is interpreted as either Sudan or Ethiopia. So there are literally dozens of ethnic groups around the world who claim Israelite origin. Some have stronger cases, some have less evidence. But um, it's interesting to note that today's Jewish population of about 15 million is about the same as it was 
3,000 years ago. In Ezekiel 37, 19, it says, So says the Lord God, behold, I will take the stick of Joseph, which is in the hand of Ephraim, and the tribes of Israel as companions, and I will place with him with the stick of Judah, and I will make them into one stick, and they shall be one in my hand. So there's this prophecy of reunification for the Jewish people in the land. 303-873-1935. I'll be back hopefully, prayerfully, taking your calls, answering your questions. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 